Welcome to the Digital Profits Podcast, where you'll learn how to grow your business faster using paid traffic and SEO. Each episode will feature a breakdown of digital marketing trends and answers to your burning questions that will provide actionable takeaways to make your marketing better. So join us, Ben Page, Ray Sawbell, and Blake John, as we guide you on your journey to higher profits. Remember to join the Profit Squad at joinprofitsquad.com and get ready to profit in three two, one. Welcome to a special episode of the show. Today, we're going to have the random show. And I'm joined by Ray. Hello. And Blake. Hey, team. So we're back together and here to just kind of share some of the fun insights, things we're excited about, things we've been learning lately in hopes that it gives you some ideas for actions, things to try, things to pursue. So thought it'd be cool to start with more advancements in AI. I've been just the more that I experiment, the more that I learn about different platforms. It's a cool time, everyone. Where should we begin, guys? I think we should talk about the changes in the makeup of search engine result pages and how things have just really progressed over the last, really, it's only been what? Six months? Yeah, but it's like accelerating. Back in my day. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. It's so different. I mean, Blake, you had this point before we started recording that doing a year over year comparison isn't really fair anymore, or Mm -hmm. it's just so different, right? Because of how that landscape is changing. Yeah, absolutely. I I think it's something that's always in the back of my head whenever I'm doing like data analysis. Um, It's so hard to win an organic click these days with all of the different SERP features. And there's more and more ads than ever before, which should be a surprise to no one. But one, like we always take into account seasonality. It's so important to take into account seasonality when you're doing data comparisons. You're, you don't, you know, if you don't want to compare June to December, if you're a swimming pool, I don't know, like supplier of some kind, right? That's not going to be a, Good. a fair comparison. Yeah. But it's interesting because we're sort of in like a new era of search. And last year around this time, maybe things were sort of becoming more available, but nothing like we're seeing now, right? And so things have just changed so drastically, really, I would say probably within the last five to six months um, that those year-over-year comparisons, it's the best we have. I'm not saying like, don't do year-over-year comparisons, um, but it's something that I think should be, you know, there's like an asterisk by it all the time. Hey, this has changed a lot. The SERP is not anything like it used to be this time last year. So it's just something to keep in mind and always keep in your analysis, always just keep it like on the side. Yeah. And like context for our listeners, Microsoft has, of course, the new Bing. They've got the chat tab, you know, and and kind of widget built into their Bing search experience, the Bing search engine. On the Google side, we now have SGE, search generative experiences. Um, Depending on your settings within labs.google.com, you can either have... um, SGE for search or SGE while browsing or both. Um, really cool. So this is level up. We've kind of got rumors circulating very recently, end of August, early September, that Google's Gemini is forthcoming. It may be released sometime this fall, which is alleged to be trained on twice as many tokens as GPT-4. That could be an, yet another mm-hmm. you know, in, in capability and sophistication. But even what we're seeing now with these SGE labs options it's like a level up from kind of what bard was when it first dropped so 
these are some of the technologies that are starting to become embedded within that search mm-hmm. experience. And it's maybe let's like describe how these function, what they look like in search, just kind of paint the picture for listeners. If they don't have these plugins, I guess, enabled, you know, how is it actually impacting search? Yeah. So I actually have some complaints about generative AI in search because just as the SEO guy, Google's always preaching like core web vitals and cumulative layout shift is a CLS is a core web vital. And the way that it works is you Google something and then sort of at the top of the, the search cert. result page. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's this generative AI. And sometimes when you start to, when you Google, it'll just start spinning. It'll start thinking right away and you'll scroll down. And while you're sort of scrolling down to find, you know, whatever result you want to click on, it'll expand all of a sudden and the whole in the layout shifts completely so as like a as a SEO guy like it drives me actually bonkers that google is like going against the grain of what they preach all the time but that's exactly what happens like what i just explained so when you google something and you have generative ai like sge it's enabled it's literally like a synopsis of the top 10 results just show up at the top of your serp and what's in, relatively recently google has been providing more like source links within the content within the synopsis in the generative AI, which is really, really interesting because there are basically organic links now in like a bit more organic links. There were always kind of like some organic links, but more organic links embedded directly within the synopsis that Google, the generative AI is providing, which is really interesting. Yeah. And there was a short window of time where the browsing plugin within ChatGPT was functioning. Like I feel like it was a matter of weeks before it got shut down. <laughs> and, and once I got enabled on that, it was epic, right? I was making so much progress on different topics. So like, you know, GPT-4, it's trained up until whatever date, you know, 2021 or something. So it's really good at things that are like unchanging or there's, you know, things that have a great like corpus of text, like leading up to that point. But anything that's like really recent or really new, like it's not great at unless it has access to the internet, at which point, you know, it's doing what SGE and search is now doing, you know, scraping the top results, providing a synthesis and, and like a readout of that using like the wisdom of crowds type approach. So that's why I'm really excited about SGE for search right now, because it's like bringing back that functionality that I lost when they killed or nerfed the browsing plugin in GPT-4. So like one practical use case um, for me is tinkering with code things. And especially when I'm trying to, you know, do coding applications related to say Google ads, right? And like, oh, there's a new API version out or there, you know, like there, if there have been recent changes, this is kind of way, the way to go. So I don't know. So that's super cool. I think one interesting quick call out just when it comes yeah. to coding as well is like, I've tended to not trust GPT 3.5 as much as I do four when it comes to coding specifically nowadays. Hmm. Like I've written Google ad scripts and it tends to get a lot closer with GPT four compared to 3.5. So you still have to tinker with things a little bit and, and Google might look back or I'm sorry, GPT might look back in Google and say, Hey, this script, we think it'll work. Some of the variables might be different within the code, but it, I guess like my word of advice would be if you have the subscription to GPT, try to use four for anything code related. Yeah. And I've been starting to use it more for sheets formulas as well, mm, yep. right? To use like more complicated, like nested formulas and lookups, which you know, like historically and Blake, maybe the same is true for you. Were you an Excel guy before? I mean, we on, on the paid that. side, it was like such an important thing for manual bidding and pivot tables sure. and reports and all this stuff. So I'm like, I feel like I was always at least an intermediate Excel user on that basis. But now this is like an unlock because now I can instantly generate like, 
oh, conditional, you know, lookups and, and yeah, different functions. And that's what I'm really excited for with like a lot of this Google lab stuff. We've been talking about SGE a lot, but there are additional plugins that kind of plug that plug into like Google sheets where it's, you can plug Google sheets to this AI piece and you can organize charts and tables and supposedly even create additional formulas as well. So I think like moving forward, the barrier to entry might be a little bit lower when it comes to like Google Sheets formulas or, or Excel formulas, but you still have to know what you want, but you should be able to use tools like GPT or Gemini potentially to write some of these formulas for you. Yeah. Well, and we just enabled uh, Google's Duet AI for workspace within the last several days. So we're starting to experiment with it. But early take within Docs, within Gmail, it's got kind of a, a composer, editor, proofreader type of tool within sheets yeah like organizing data it's a little bit clunky like i've tried several queries and it would just say like cannot compute try later (laughs) more features being added i'm sure that'll get better with time but what i'm really excited for is within slides i can appreciate a well put together deck it's also challenging at times (laughs) to add that level of polish and so on but the prompting engine the duet ai within Google Slides, it's like having a mid-journey built in to it. So you give it a prompt and it's generating these cool, unique images and so on. Like, wow, that's gonna that's gonna like lower the friction, the difficulty score. Like we can all have much more polished, you know, informative presentations. this way i didn't even know that was a thing like we just started using duet this two week days i think ago, yeah two days or two ago. days ago so i've only very very little experience with it i had no idea that was even a possibility mm-hmm. yeah. it was like mid-journey in google slides I, that's it's incredible like the the leaps we're taking how quickly it's happening right and in the um, google documentation for gemini what they're hinting at what my take on some of that is is you know they're talking about um, like API interoperability and building it in a way that it's scalable in a way that it will, you know, plug into other tools. So I'm sure like that's probably where this is headed, right? Is like the human side, like how can you take this technology, yeah. connect it to other tools to extract better insights or start training more effectively, or there's going to be so many cool like use cases and ways to yep. master the use of this. And like our roles are going to be more about, like we've talked about before, it's like, can you become a master prompter on the data side? Like, can you be the engineer that architects and masterminds the way all of these are working together? Mm-hmm. Things like Gemini and Duet. Do you guys remember like that little like paperclip guy that used to be on like Microsoft? It's almost like that on like steroids, like all this <laughs> additional stuff that's being like, you know, <laughs> clippy. Right, yeah, Clippy. It's like dude, Clippy, Clippy it's like on roids. Clippy, right? Yeah, now. like this is Clippy. <laughs> Clippy's back. Yeah, we should actually generate that within slides later. Yeah, or mid journey. Yeah, buff Clippy. I'll That's super cool. I mean, yeah. So, and what we're trying to figure out here, you know, it, so we're talking about like impacts of AI on the Serbs, SGE. It seems Blake like from an organic standpoint. It's almost like the evolution of optimizing for featured snippets and zero-click results. Some of the best practices or thoughts, uh, you know, for me, I'm thinking structured data. Some of the basic things still apply. You have to make sure that, you know, you have a, f- a fast site. It's easy to crawl. It's easy to index. What are the thoughts do you have, though? Like where this is headed, potential impacts. How do we even think about how we're performing organically with this in the mix? There's so much to think about. I mean, truly, because on one hand, 
you can't like the, so, so going back to what you said about optimizing for featured snippets, it is kind of a level up from that. Like that's sort of in my mind, the way that it's working. But what's unique about this is not every, like the featured snippet is the same every time it's a static result. This is sort of dynamic. This is generative AI, right? Like it's changing, but you can really study the, the, the specific sources that Google provides within the generative AI. Like that's when it provides that source and what source provides is what you can really pay very, very close attention to and make an effort to optimize for that. So as an example, you could Google like, what is ADHD? Just as an example. And then it'll have maybe, I don't know, a hundred word synopsis of like, you know, what ADHD is. Google, generative AI will. Yeah. Within that synopsis, it'll have five drop down arrows with sources essentially. And each drop down area is like sort of a segment of how Google is getting that result, like that specific piece of generative AI. You know what I mean? And so you can study that and kind of make sense and piece it together and say, okay, if we want to show up in this generative AI, we want to show up in this as a source here, we need to sort of answer this little snippet that it's providing and give it an opportunity to see us as the expert for that explanation. And again, you can kind of keep, that's sort of how featured snippet optimization works. I think in feature snippet, there's also like the specific types. So there's bulleted list, ordered list. Sometimes there's tables and feature snippets. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's a little less relevant currently. It's mostly just like text. text-based results right, right. with links to. Exactly. I think there's also a case for like image optimization. I've seen images show up in. The thumbnails yeah. on the cards for the sources, quote unquote. Sources. Exactly. Yeah. I think that's going to be important, but I, I don't think. I mean, a lot, most people are publishing at least with, a, with at least one high quality image. Like that's usually not a, a barrier to success for most, but yeah, it's really just studying where and when Google drops in the source link and then, and then figuring out exactly what they're grabbing from that source and kind of replicating it and obviously delivering a better answer and, and kind of piecing it together as you continue to go down the sources within the generative AI. Like that's kind of how the process that I think needs to be taken. It's you almost know. like a people only ask or people ask similar type of questions. Mm-hmm. Cause like I've kind of went down a rabbit hole where it's like, I may not necessarily know, like I'm not an expert on the piece that I'm searching, but then it's like, Hey, did you consider this? Or do you want to like go deeper into this piece? So like, I don't know if that falls into like optimizing for some of that, but that's kind of where my head is going is like, I tend to like go down the rabbit hole where it's like, Oh, I didn't consider this lens or, or go that route. Yeah, absolutely. I think the people also ask, and we talked about the schema and FAQ, right. FAQ markup specifically makes a lot of sense. And, and, and that's been true always, but it, like you can kind of keep going further and further and you can pay a t- close attention to like, what are the other things that Google mm. is suggesting? Right. Because at the bottom, I've seen a, a people also ask style yeah, exactly. within the SGE. They appear as bubbles at the bottom as like follow-up prompts, basically, if you want to think of it that that's way. Like, that's exactly it. And then you'll even kind of get like, another result, like, like a search and result page sort of when you do that. And so you can pay attention who's ranking there and who's kind of, I guess, winning that SERP. I don't know if that's really, I mean, it is a SERP in a way, but not in the traditional sense, but not like traditional is sort of dead. Yeah. It's like, like, we're, um, we're trying to get the impression, but it's like, we're trying to get the attention, the impression, the engagement and mm -hmm. like we've always done, but just the way that someone is the way that we like as the marketer, the way that we reach the user and provide the value, the vehicle is changing and the way it's delivered is changing. I will say too, and I'm waiting for, I don't know how this data will be taken. It's because these are, these are in a way zero click searches in a way, but they're much more interactive. And so like, it's less likely that there truly is zero clicks. You know what I mean? Which is 
but that's what's being delivered is like your overview answer. You don't need to go any further, which is a bummer for people. That's why I said earlier, it's, it's hard to win a, an organic click these days. But I really, I would be really, really interested to see what kind of engagement these generative AI snippets are actually getting. And I don't know if we'll ever truly get that data, but I think that would be really, really enlightening. I also wish within like a source medium report, if we could somehow see the, if the user clicked on a, our result within a generative AI, right? That would be really in, in, enlightening sort of because it's then you're sort of like you have the data to build the, the use case to spend time and like start optimizing for it. I know Will Reynolds is working on it. Right. Sounds I would like. love that data would be incredible. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. All right. Two kind of really related lanes to this. One is the thought of, okay, if SGE is using the wisdom of crowds to generate its results, right? It's like this AI, it's not really good at like novel idea, like novel creation, right? That's still like the human element is like creating something brand new. This is like synthesizing. Okay. You know, to back to your example, Blake, what is ADHD? Okay. Here's what the top 10 articles say it is, you know, boom, 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 boom. Here's what the EDUs say and the .gov say and da, 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 mm-hmm. right? So it's like, it's doing that, but it's almost like if you, if you like followed in the, in the legal niche, I think they call this shepherdizing sources. So like, Hey, we're citing this legislation. And then there's like a reference to like this case over here. Mm. And then you go there and you're like, okay, what's this statute? Oh, what's this sub statute? Okay. What was this other case over here? And you like, you like go deeper and deeper, deeper until you finally reach the bottom. And it's like some original thing from 1938 or something, you know, whatever. And like the same thing is true when you read books like, oh, the power of habit or something. You go in the bibliography and there's like 50 sources and you, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, it all goes back to like this 1974 academic study of this, or, you know, and this body of research by like this not very well-known group yeah. or something. You know what I mean? So it's almost like, you know, in our process, Blake, on search with content intelligence and, and just building, like trying to build and engineer the most valuable piece of content within a niche. But I wonder if there's an argument for, Like, if you can conduct your own original research, like basically going as deep into the well as you can. So like go to the original source to generate something that's truly new and valuable or a unique take on it. Because otherwise you're just like one of 10 and Mm -hmm. you get lost in the noise of the crowd, Mm -hmm. the wisdom crowd. And there's probably a value there and stuff. You're just rehashing the information that's already there. Exactly. It's like everyone's rehashing a rehash of a rehash. And like, how do you win? Well, you just have to be like one of the top five rehashes of the real like (laughs) insight or definition from 50 years ago or whatever, you know, but it's like, so that was kind of one thought was, can you do original research or can you shepherdize like, you know, you're in SGE and you're like, this is if you're an SEO and you care and you want to rank, right? It, like, go deeper. Okay, what are all these articles drawing from? Okay, what was that? Now, okay, what were those drawing from? And, like, just go to the beginning and say, okay, what is this really telling us about this, you know, topic or whatever? And how can we do more research or reinvent this or bring unique value to that user? So that's one. But here's the second one. Like, where does this go? All right. Do either of you guys have the ChatGPT app on your phone? Mm-mm. I don't actually know dudes gotta get it you know why because all right like voice plus ai right sge plus ai in ray on your pixel have you ever done like on the home tab um or like in the google app on your pixel and use your voice search that then spawned oh ai results yep i know what you're talking about right so if you have the gpt app on your phone you can use voice to do input and like interact with it right to keep prompting it or edit it or whatever 
And, and so like this idea was kind of spawned by your comment, Blake, right? Like this is dynamic. And like for every, like, it's just like GPT, Ray, you can put in a prompt. I can put it in a second later. I can put in the same prompt three different times and I'm going to get a, a slightly different result each time. You know, and we know that a huge percentage of searches are new to Google even to this day, you know, and so you add voice in that's going to, you know, multi-factor the amount of combinations, but like just the speed and the way that people are going to get information using, you know, AI powered search plus voice on mobile. And yeah, just thinking about untangling that spaghetti from a reporting standpoint, but you know, yeah, just kind of thinking about like, how are people going to use this and how will voice impact it? Will that be the unlock? Right. Cause it's like no friction. It's like, now I have the freaking Oracle at the sound, you know, like I just have to say, Hey, Oracle, find me the blah, 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 best thing ever, you know? Okay. Here's everything that mankind has ever known about that. Great. You know, cool. Yeah. I'm waiting for the day where it's just embedded in your brain and you don't even have to say it out loud. Oh, that's uh, coming in 2026. <laughs> yeah, I'm just yeah. kidding. Brain at jumps. this point, I, I believe it. Right. Well, yeah. Cause, but here's, what's interesting too, like back to that idea of what is the human's role as this continues to evolve. So at some point, you know, and like, I was like, Hey, Gemini, you know, rumored to be trained on twice as many tokens. Like when do we run out of training corpus material for these agents? Right. Cause when did the robots train themselves? Well, that's what I wonder. All right. This let's go into philosophy really quick. Seriously. Cause look, all we're doing right now is like, we're bringing, all right, we're teaching these models to learn on different kinds of material content, right? It's largely written. So a lot of the work so far, it's like, how do we translate YouTube videos into transcripts and then feed that in? How do we take all the books ever written and digitize them and feed that in? How do we take all the music ever composed and feed that in? You know, great. So that's one lane. And then we're like, how do we teach how to look at images and figure out what's going on with that? And like, oh, it's a man standing over here with a dark shadow. And blah. so now it's going to do that. And then it's getting into video, but at some point and even audio, right? But at some point it will have mastered all that and it will have consumed every Everything that humans have ever output and been documented, right? So then we're going to start generating new works or it will start synthesizing and producing like, you know, all right, now we're going to take all of these ideas. We're going to prompt it with this. We're going to add chaos level four. I don't know if you're familiar with chaos, Ray, from mid journey. Like the, maybe not. No, I don't think It's so. like a randomness score. It's like a Z score that okay. you can assign. You can like say like, I want low randomness. So you know how you get like uh, four variants with yep. each image that you generate? So if you say like low chaos or no chaos, it will have very similar variants of image. But if you have high chaos, be like, all right, different orientation, like different aspect, you know, all these different changes, different noise, different styles, et cetera. But like what happens when it starts generating net new content and then ingesting it and learning from what it just created? Well, I mean, that's, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, maybe it, when do the humans go away? Right. Exactly. I feel 20, like that's the question asking, but I mean, that's kind of the way Google works. Like, like the literal search engine is a machine learning like algorithm. It's learning on it on machine. Right. And there are like scientists or, or data engineers or whatever at, at Google who don't, nobody truly knows how exactly how it gets you the results that it does. Right. There's already the hallucination factor, right? Yeah. Like uh, there's, there's just so much that it's learning from itself that it doesn't understand. And as soon as it gets better and stronger, it like sort of cuts off this, what it doesn't need. And then it does it again. Like it replicates it, the machine learning process and it gets better and better and better. And then it just drops the dead weight and then it gets better and better and better. And it keeps learning more and more and more. And that's how Google has become the powerhouse in our world that it has today. But honestly, I like, 
I'm thinking it, when, if it gets to that point and it's learned ev truly every single piece of data, I'm wondering like, is it now just going to start outputting new content? Well, that's what I mean. And like, like the second that, that it does yeah. and it starts training, it's that's like, that's the like key. Truly new content Training too. itself. Not training just synopsis. Itself. Like, you know right. what I mean? Like truly, like you're saying new research almost. Like, like, could it do yeah, that? This 1937 study did not consider this from this other paper over here. And yeah, combining two pieces together and yeah. right, exactly. <laughs> oh, like without a human prompting it, because right yes. now that's kind of yeah, where we're like, at. There's it's this like, blind spot in this one study that didn't happen and wasn't accounted from this study over here, and then boom. Yeah, what happens if we merge the findings from? <laughs> right. Yeah, that could be a new piece of content that no one's put together that a bot could do. Well, I don't know that we're there yet, but look, in this hypothetical that you're talking about now, like maybe that's what happens. Maybe it's developing its own and not just synopsis, right? Like that's because we're, we're at that stage now where it's kind of summarizing. That's exactly what it, it's just synthesizing the current existing corpus. It's been right. trained on. If you're lucky, you have plugins, you feed it proprietary data. It synthesizes that. It's good at understanding it and giving us things like summaries, like the best of or the highlights or whatever but it's up to that's why like right now it's so key to be in, in a master prompt engineer is what i keep calling it because it's up to us to have the insight to say oh yeah there was that study there was oh charles duhigg and i combine that with james clear atomic habits and now i have the ultimate machine to master my habits or whatever you know but eventually right it's like what if it becomes the agent and we don't, you know what I mean? It starts doing unpredictable like combinations yeah. to produce novel outputs. And I don't know. I just thought that was crazy to even think about. <laughs> <laughs> and the vacuum cleaners take over your house and the oh, microwaves the team it's, up and <laughs> it's the, it's the meme oh, of no. the Roomba with the knife. Right. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. That's wild. Well, okay. That's exciting. Hopefully that's at least like three to six months out. <laughs> I don't know. It's going pretty quick though. Maybe three to six weeks at this point with how, right. how things have evolved. Yep. Wow. So where do we go from here? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you know, we could talk really quick about in Bing. So if you go in Bing, you know, the new Bing and you have that chat, mm. pro right? So if you prompt it through the chat widget, right, you use their AI infused search experience. We've been noticing for a couple of months now that they're serving ads within those yeah. AI powered results. I can only assume... That's what's next on SGE, right? It, once they right. get enough adoption, right? Because now it's like in labs and you have to opt in all this. But once mm -hmm. it's like the default, like yep. everyone has Gemini. It's like now it's imagine spring 2024. SGE is like the default. It's powered by Gemini. Google has more compute than anyone. So it's just like rolled out. And this is like the new, like we were joking before, Blake, about it's like when mobile first SERPs went live as like the default, you know, now yeah. it's like, imagine SG is the default. And this goes back to the thing about shopping, right? Cause so far, you know, I've got Alexa at home and I use it and it's pretty great for, for different things, but it's really limited. It's like, well, if I really want to do something really cool, I'd need an app, you know, and mm. probably an app doesn't even exist for the use case I'm imagining, you know, yet. But now imagine like, like it's all embedded in SGE, like all that functionality in it. If, and when ads happen now we're like back to the voice thing. So now I've got my phone, I'm sitting in the kitchen at home, you know, Hey Google, can you order some more bananas, you know, and then Google pay dude, it's done. All right. Hour later, it's there, you know, like that's where this is headed. Right. And ads, you know, whether it's RSAs or whatever, right. That's all coming. And I, w I wonder too, Blake, like, you know, you talked about how SGE is primarily text right now with some cards and stuff like that. In the future, does SGE decide what SERP features to pull in based on the query? 
it's like, oh, based on your search, that was a navigational and it's local. Yeah. So guess what? Now the map pack's going to be in there. And now it's going to be like one click to Google Maps and you can just be like, yep, you know, throw the directions on my Google Maps. Right. Like if it's not a commercial intent keyword, like perhaps it's that's maybe where you get more SGE or like it's probably yeah, more text based. But then, right. It's like, oh, it's commercial this. OK, here's a shopping carousel within it. Or it's, yeah, like, you know directions you know what are the hours in this oh do you want a reservation yes i do okay your reservation's done here's what the you- best birthday gift for blah blah blah, blah. here's shopping at right or something like that and then it's like you might like what are you planning on wearing oh well the dress code is this okay yeah. do you have that no i don't oh here's party planning here's supplies. a blue blue shirt you know <laughs> great you yeah. know awesome so, so I, don't. I mean, I just uh, I just did a search for a restaurant near me, and I feel like it's already sort of happening. To oh, be no. It's learning from our conversation. Yeah, right now. But it, <laughs> it just pulled up, like, a list of restaurants that are near me. Oh, uh, with the labels on it, too? Yeah. It's incredible. With the, It's got reviews. It's got its location, a brief overview. Wow. And then similar results embedded next to it as well, like, as the source. Again, this is sort of as the source. Oh, yeah. So it's, ha- it's kind of, a, it's happening. I, I honestly, and this is, this is the case too. Like, and this is why I talked about, I want to see like the engagement levels on these generative AIs. Cause a lot of times too, I'm ignoring it. I'm ignoring generative AI cause it's all. I'm scrolling past it. I'm scrolling past it. And what, and, and the reason some, sometimes, and I don't know how Google does this or why it decides to do this, but sometimes it will automatically generate the generative yeah. AI automatic, like automatically. But sometimes you have to click, click. generate. Yes. And then it will do that. Mm. And in those cases, I'm almost always ignoring it. It just hasn't been a common. Ha- it's, you, it like, it has to be a prediction Google. score. Then it has to know, like, based on this one, right. we can predict what you're likely to need or want in that micro moment. Therefore, we know high confidence, like, this is one we're going to give you. I just did, like, a similar search, but I also said, like, I did a follow-up question and I said, what are gluten-free options? Because Hmm. my wife likes gluten-free options. And then it also gave me, it seems like it's uh, combing through like reviews, for example. Mm. So now it's like, here's this restaurant combing through reviews. It has XYZ gluten-free options. And then it says other top restaurants in that area. So like you're able to interact and chat with it as well. And then it gives me a bunch of other like things people also asked, which is... Cool. It's, it's digging up the follow-up question info sooner. It's like, cause usually what would be the, you know, as a user you journey, the menu. you'd click. Yeah. And then you're on the PDF and then you're like, oh, I don't know. Is this cauliflower pizza thing? Is it on there? You know, is it gluten-free? What's going on? No, it has, yeah. you know, no, it has flour in it. Oh no. You know, but it's, yeah, it's like scraping that. So back to the importance of having like rich data and having those details. Yeah. That's interesting. But Blake, like to your point, even if you scroll past, isn't it going to be like a net click share game, just like with ads, right? It's like, hey, I never click on ads and this, you know, but hey, aren't you more likely to click on it organically if you saw the ad, you saw it in the map pack, now you're seeing the blue link or whatever, like you're it's seeing like featured it. snippet. Yeah, it's like, oh, it's appearing again, again, again above the fold or in the top 10, whatever, right? You're like more likely, just no click share perspective or even a branding. Like, let's say you did the search. Had to set the phone down, kids going crazy, you know, but then the next day and you come back and you're like, what was, oh, that's right. I was seeing the Acme Corp like four times. I better go on their Facebook and like look up Acme Corp and like get the thing that I need there. You know what I mean? Right in the middle of your child's temper tantrum. No, like the next day or whatever. You know what (laughs) I mean? Like, because that's what I'm saying. I know, I know. I mean, (laughs) it's like a branding or like a You want to be there if you can. Yeah. Right at the end of the day, like you want to always be there. And we, we talk about, this is something too, we talk about internally and I think maybe it's come up in another podcast, but like. 
having ads over your, like just the whole landscape. You want to be there every single time that you can possibly be there because you're more likely to win the click at the end of the day, which is also, I mean, and obviously ads are always first, so it's always harder to win the, the organic click. I know, I know. I just have to remind everyone that. You do. Good ads are first. <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. Good ads. Well, they're also below. <laughs> they really sandwich it. <laughs> Sorry. But yeah, I, I kind of lost my train of thought. I'm just blinded by. Like hates ads. Yeah. No, it's, <laughs> it's the idea of, of maximizing your visibility. Exactly. Regardless Regardless of it's a zero click SERP, it's a whatever. Exactly. Like yeah. a, a zero click SERP, you want, if you can win the featured snippet, a lot of those times, a lot of times those are zero click. Like that's what we think about when you think of zero click. You, you want to win that featured snippet. Mm. It's a branding play at the end of the day, like you're talking about. Yeah. So if, if there's an area in which you can win and you want to, you want, you want to be there, you want to win it because you can increase your brand awareness. You can try, you're more likely to, they're more likely to remember you down the road as well. Yeah, that's right. I think this is heading to an increasingly like interdisciplinary approach because at the end, right, it's like, what are we doing? We're doing search engine marketing, you know, and there used to be like a lot cleaner lanes between paid and organic. Mm -hmm. Those lanes are blurring, especially if SGE, like if the SERP goes SGE first, which I predict it will at some point, otherwise, why would they have it? occupy so much real estate currently you know it's just it's faster it's better i mean the fact that you're getting the follow-up question answered immediately without clicking through without the headache it's clear it's got to be better for users you know so yeah interdisciplinary approach and that's where we're going to look at like the totality of what is it's like back to you know keyword research user needs understanding that user need at the core Mm -hmm. anticipating likely follow-up questions and information like just knowing what that journey is for that user need and designing content and advertising that can address each step of that need you know to ultimately bring that user into your ecosystem and help them out, help them solve their problem. That's what I think good marketing will be, which is what it's always been. It just looks a little bit differently now. Right. Aided by technology. Cool. Well, any anything else for the random show? Not for me, I don't think. No, I think we're good. It really turned out to be the impact of AI on search and SERPs more than the random show, but it was really fun to deep dive on this. So if anyone's uh, seeing anything cool in their own experiments or their own experience with the search engine results pages or curious how this applies to them, how they can get ready, I guess, or just really take action now because it's changing so quickly, let us know. Go to 2100digital.com and contact us and look forward to catching up with you guys. Thank you so much for listening. Your support means the world to us and allows us to help more people and grow the community. Please take a minute right now to subscribe and share this wherever you listen to podcasts and sign up for the Profit Squad at joinprofitsquad.com. This will get you insider access, additional tools and swipe files, and help you elevate your marketing game to the next level. Mm-hmm.